We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Hello everyone and welcome to Business Matters presented by Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capello, I'm Chief Strategy Officer at Now Media Group. Uh, today we welcome uh, Amy Boss, a financial, a senior financial advisor at Valley First to Business Matters. Amy, thanks for joining me this morning. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob. You had like the easiest name and I still messed it up. You know what? It's, it's <laughs> funny because you know, my whole name is about nine letters long if you include everything, but it's, it's the last name. It gets everyone. <laughs> um, well, we November, we just went through today is December 1st, and yeah, uh, we just went through um, Financial Literacy Month, which was in November. Um, so that time of the year is important as we look at, you know, uh, build, building financial confidence and knowledge. Um, we all know cost of living is going up, interest rates are increasing. Well, we hope maybe they won't be increasing more, but we don't know. So we're going to talk today just about some tips some how you can help people with budgets, maybe some debt repayment and investment charge. So really important things, no matter what time of the month it is. So well, or what time of the year it is. So, um, so Amy, uh, I'm curious, like, how are things going with members? Like, what do you what do you been hearing with everything that's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the headlines aren't very much fun to read, um, and they're all they're all bad, really. It's the inflation and and rates going up and. And uh, sort of everything that's coming out in, in the media is, is all bad news, but it's not a blanket bad news for everyone on the ground, so to speak, where everyone's impacted differently. Um, some people, especially say people that have a lot of variable rate debt, Bank of Canada increases are going to hit them harder. Yeah. Um, folks that are already tight on their budgets, inflation is going to hit them harder. So it, the big picture is 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 bad you know in terms of cost of living is compounded by cost of borrowing um and then you look at sort of the state of the world with different events around that um, are negative headlines but i think what can be really important for folks is to draw it back individually especially as it comes to their finances where where are they impacted because they may be more impacted in one area and not others and more able to control one area and not others and sort of assess what's within their control and what can be changed. Interesting. Um, I'm curious that your title is Senior Financial Advisor as we go through this, like how, what does your role entail? Like what's day to day look like? How do you work with yeah. members? Yeah, so the, I mean, the senior is just more based on experience. So I, I, uh, I've been in finance now and banking for, oh, let's see, about eight years. Um, joined from a big bank to, to Valley First last year. And my role day to day, um, so I'm a, a portfolio manager for a group of about 500 members. Um, and so I manage their um, everyday banking, borrowing, investing. I'm their person. Interesting. So that's sort of my, my role. And how long have you been, you said, at Valley First? Uh, since, uh, let's see, it's about 14 months now. Okay. So I'm curious, you said you were in a another one of the, the big banks. We don't have to mention who they are, it's fine. Um, but why the change? What, what attracted you to the credit union side? You know, it was, it was really looking for a change of pace. And, and in the, the big banks, in the, we don't need to mention them, it's fine. Oh. There, you know, and it, there wasn't like it was a bad experience overall, but there's just this, this big crunch where 
um, it's not as focused necessarily on what you're doing for the person in front of you. Um, it's really more volume-based sometimes, whereas here, uh, it's local. And my, my goal is my members. Um, so it's, it's really more flexible around what can we do to help them thrive and to help the community thrive. We're, we're really community-focused, and that's important to me. It's interesting because um, I used to work for a big bank way back when I, I decided I was going to try the financial sector. I went to Wall Street, fell in love with New York. I went to New York, fell in love with Wall Street. I'm like, I'm going to try this and work for one of the, yeah. And it's, you really, and I don't want to paint everyone in the same picture. My experience is very similar to yours. You feel like it's all about the bottom line. It's not about serving the what's best for the client sometimes, where I find with Valley First, it's complete opposite. Obviously, you got to make money, but yeah. it, it's about putting your members first, which is so important, right? So, um, for sure. And then the, you know, when we have to make money, it's it's a lot more defensible. Where right, right. you know, every every quarter, when like this year, this week is bank earnings week, and they're all coming out, and it's like the woe is me, they're down profits this year, and it's like, well, they're still, you know, earning three billion dollars net income right. for, you know, three months. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, you know, when we the money we earn, it goes towards our members. It's back yeah. to the community. It operates the branches. We're not for profit. Yeah. Uh, so we're not here looking to just make money off of our members. Everything that we bring in as revenue is going back into our membership and our community. Yeah, interesting. I'm curious, what attracted you to banking? Like what got you into banking right from the get-go? You know, that's an interesting question. And, and um, I think that a lot of it was my... I have, um, I have skills around critical thinking and problem solving. And I like um, sort of having this situation that I have to work through. And so that was one thing that really attracted me to it. I've always been strong on math and on uh, personal finance. And there's not a whole necessarily a whole lot of math in banking. You'd think there'd be more. So that was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was, I was working in something before that was another sort of um, community-based organization, not-for-profit. But was something that was a bit more um, wearing on me emotionally. Mm. And so I needed a change that was more, not to say that you know, personal finance is also emotional, but uh, I needed a change. And it was something that um, you know, I was interested in, in using the skills I had and, and getting into something that let me use my brain a bit differently. So let's talk about Financial Literacy Month. It just passed, but every month should be Financial Literacy Month in my yeah. mind. It's something, and I don't know if we'll get into it, but I think that's one area that they don't teach a lot of that in school, which is, blows my mind because people come on, they don't know how to manage dollars or money or anything. So, but I'm curious, uh, as we, before we get into some questions on it, um, did you guys do anything different in the branch for the month where you like, hosting clients were like was there anything going on in, internally or was it you know, more you just worked one-on-one -on -one with your members on it I don't think that we had any special events in the branch I know I went on one of our local news to talk about financial literacy month as well um, we have a couple people in the branch that go out sort of on a regular basis to the local schools and they're part of um, basically financial literacy programs for young kids right. um, we didn't do any sort of special events that I can recall it was more just sort of continuing on yeah interesting um so why do you think financial literacy uh is is especially important right now i mean you've touched on some of it but you know why is it important now more than ever yeah you know in some ways the last uh, say you know 10 years or so after the financial crisis in 2008 it became kind of easy in a way to not worry so much about it because 
you know, the, the investing side, everything went on a nice, nice long bull run. The returns were great. Borrowing was super cheap. Everything was a lot more accessible. Um, so it was a lot easier to get away with um, not necessarily making solid financial choices because, you know, say if you bought something, you could refinance it into your house or if you invested, your investments were just going up. You didn't need to worry so much about it. Um, right now, it's, it's sort of reality hitting where these bad times are going to happen. It's a business cycle for a reason. It goes up and down. Um, and the downside of the cycle is, is where you, everything sort of catches up on you. Interesting. So in your experience, are there particular eras where most people, maybe areas or where people are um, maybe they fall short when it comes to financial literacy? Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd say there's three that sort of stood out to me. One was around um, true cost of debt. And this is especially important for open-ended debt. So credit cards, lines of credit, um, things that don't have structured repayment, because it can cause a relatively small purchase to turn into a big expense over time. And without a plan to pay it off, it's a huge impact on your budget, not just sort of in the short term, but the long term. And especially if you start layering additional purchases onto it. Um, so one, one suggestion I'd make around that, and if it doesn't necessarily apply to emergency purchases because those you got to make, but say if it's a non-essential item or a trip or something like that, that you have to finance, whether it's through hopefully not a credit card because credit cards, honestly, they're, they're debt tools, but they should not be. They, sh they should be as much as possible paid off and just used as, you know, in Canada, we love our rewards or just sort of a budgeting tool to, you know, work between your paychecks. Oh, our lights turn off if we don't move. Um, but the, you know, planned, planned purchases, if it's something that's going to cost $1,000 and you want to pay it off in six months, or say for equal math, $1,200 in six months, and it's going to be $200 a month you're going to pay on it, take a few months and put $200 aside into a savings account. Make sure that fits within your budget. If it does, three months in, uh, you've got $600, then all of a sudden you're financing, you know, half of that amount. So you can put that down, cut, up, cut in half the amount of time you take to pay it off, and you know it fits within your budget. Mm -hmm. um, on the emergency purchase side, that's sort of another second, that's my second um, area of focus where I think the pandemic showed us that emergencies are unexpected. No one saw it coming, really. Well, maybe some medical professionals could have probably said, you know, we're going to have a pandemic, but... On the, on the ground, we didn't see it coming. And it was a huge shock because we've never seen something in our lifetimes like this where there is this shutdown. Um, and so the rule of thumb was always, you know, have three months of your net income set aside so you can cover all your expenses. And even that's, that's hard to do, um, but it wasn't as necessarily important because it was so easy to finance if we run into something. But that emergency planning is huge. And I've seen more of that shift towards six months because we can have these massive emergencies, um, which is even harder to do. And yeah. it can seem overwhelming. So I'd say, you know, you want to go, even if you can set a goal for a paycheck at a time, you know, have a paycheck. And then once you have one paycheck, have two paychecks. Don't think of it in terms of six months, like break it down because smaller things are more achievable and bigger things can seem unachievable. And then it's like, well, what's the point? I'm not going to get to it anyway. Uh, the last one I'd say is long-term planning. And I'm, you know, I'm someone that struggles with it too, because, you know, I can't say a year from now what's, <laughs> what I'm planning for. So how am I going to plan for 30 years from now when I'm hopefully looking at retirement? 
but one thing that I tell my members that I always have to tell myself is that a long-term plan is not set it and forget it. It's something you review whenever there's a reason to review it. So if you change jobs, you change houses, you have kids, your kids grow up, you know, it's something that's going to change with you. So it's important though to focus on, okay, where are we now and what's our plan? And then if there's a change, okay, how does that affect our plan? It's something that's fluid, it's a living thing, um, and your, your financial advisors and professionals out there that can help form that. Interesting. I'm curious, like if someone's listening and says like, like, why is it important to, for me to actually know this stuff? I have like, I have a financial advisor. I have like, but for, you know, I mean, I have my own opinion on why you should, but like from, from your side, why should people be more knowledgeable? Yeah. I mean, it's knowledge is, is power in a way, right? Where right now, a lot of what we're dealing with is people that are feeling overwhelmed. Um, and they're overwhelmed because they're in a situation now that they don't know how to get out of. And so we can help with that. But it's nice to, you know, even on a, on a mental health standpoint, to have that preparation where you can either keep yourself out of a, a situation or stop getting as bad as it could be because of planning. Um, so, and just sort of the, the calm, like having a, being able to approach it potentially more calmly because you know what's happening and what what you can do to prepare and react and and be in a good place to manage any challenges that come up interesting so you mentioned credit cards so um you know i've, I've always read stats on how the credit card debt in canada is and overall debt so for people like there's increasing costs right now so it's putting pressure on everything but people might be thinking about you mentioned sort of maybe setting a budget or um do you have any like quick wins that people can look at when it comes to uh, maybe just reducing your expenses? What are some things, you know, small steps that people can start taking right now um, to do that? Yeah, I mean, and, and small steps is the key to this because there's there, there's some budget problems that you can't assess with small steps. But for the things that are, you know, the, the daily things you can do that just, even if it's $5 a day is $150 a month sort of thing, um, look at what's convenient that you're doing right now that you don't have to be doing out of convenience. So you're, you know, I love my Starbucks, but I've definitely pared it down. <laughs> yeah. um, As know, I'm drinking my Starbucks this morning. Yeah. Because, that's not to say cut it out, right? It's, no, right, it's right. assessing how often, and I still love going for a Starbucks, but it's, it's sort of the timing, doing a subscription audit, um, you know, saying, well, how often do I watch my, my Netflix or Disney Plus or Apple or or that sort of thing, um, and trying to pare those down. And I know it's tough because all of them have something we love watching. Yeah. But then is it, can you do a rotation where you have this one for this period of time? You've watched the show you want. Okay, shut that down. There's no cancellation costs. Then we start up a different one so you can watch a different show. We love our binges. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's <laughs> one thing. But um, one thing that's sort of top of mind for this time of year is benefits too. I speak to a lot of people that don't necessarily know what work benefits they have. Um, and if they're, they're like me, for example, I have what's called flex benefits where I choose them every year. Yeah. So looking at your coverage and a lot of people this time of year are choosing, choosing for 2023 and seeing, you know, what are you using that you could change the coverage to you know, keep more money in your pocket or what are you not using that you could be using both for your health and, and to reduce the cost of things. Um, just making sure that you're getting the most out of your work benefits. And that goes into the long-term planning part too, because health benefits are one side, but a lot of um, places also offer financial benefits like RSP matching. Um, and if you're not doing it, 
then your employer is probably not doing it either. So they might match up to 5% of your salary. Um, so you're missing out on 10% of your salary going to savings if you're not putting in your five. Right. Interesting. So that's, that's a good, some really good takeaways to kind of reduce your expenses. What about some strategies to help and pay down debt? Like, so people are probably, you know, loans, lines of credits, credit cards, whatever. So what about some steps on some easy steps or strategies that you can use to pay down some of that debt? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things that I really look at and, and I've, you know, helpfully used names of the snowball effect and the quick wins and or little victories is sort of another one that I, that I call the quick wins, but little victories is basically looking at what's your smallest debt. Say if you owe $200 on a credit card, um, even if it's your highest rate, get that one paid off first, get rid of it. That one's done. Take that you've been paying on that, pay it on the next one, the next lowest dollar value, so that you can start tackling these, getting them out of the way. It's sort of a emotional victory when you're yeah. able to do that, right? Um, it's not necessarily the most efficient, but it can provide those victories and keep the motivation going. That's fair. The snowball is more organizing it by cost. So what's the highest interest rate? You know, if, if you're able to just pay the minimums on all the other ones and then put the most amount of your resources towards the highest interest rate, that's your biggest bang for your buck because that'll bring down that principal, brings down your interest costs, snowballs the amount that you can put towards principal. And then once that one's paid off, you go to the next highest interest rate. Takes longer to get each account paid off depending on what the balances are relative to the interest rate, but it will be your fastest way of getting through things just because you're tackling the highest interest and then can put more to principal. Right, makes sense. Interesting. Um, so we're continuing to see like some, obviously some uncertainties in the market right now. Um, from an investing standpoint, what should we be focused on? What are some things we should be focusing on from an investment point of view? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, the huge concern for folks. And, and I'd say the, the one thing that is really tough is to see you know, if your market value has gone down, it doesn't mean you've lost money, which is really hard to conceptualize, right? And and I have um, a, a planner that I work with who put it really well that I've, I've stolen it from her, um, where she said, you know, your house value has probably gone down too this year, right? So my I know mine has, it's it's, but I'm also, I don't need to sell. So the, the value of my home right now doesn't really affect me because I'm still, living in it, it's still going to be mine. I'm not realizing any loss until I sell and it's the same for your investments. Um, so it's really about assessing what impact has that had on you? Um, if your RSPs are down, but you're retiring in 25 years, it's not a huge impact on you, right? It's, it's the, the business cycle, as we said, I can guarantee if you're invested in market-based products, you're going to lose money at some point. Sure. Um, but you're not actually losing that money unless you're taking it out. That's not to say that everyone should just stay invested. Um, I'm not telling every single person, oh, just ride it out um, because everyone's circumstance is unique. And you've got yep. folks that are close to retirement or have RESPs for their ed kids' education and those kids are going to school next year. You got to assess your timeline too. And hopefully that's something that you're also reviewing annually anyway with your advisor, where you should ideally be invested for the next five years if you're in something that's based in the market so that you can take these business cycles and live through them. Um, so say if your time horizon five years ago was 10 years, you've got five years left. If it was seven years, you've got two years left. That's a short time horizon. 
um, you got to stay on top of that and just look at what are the options. But just to sort of put in perspective what impact you've seen um, actually to yourself from the market value decline. Um, I know one thing that I've sort of talked to people about is when I'm talking about people putting money into an investment, it's a very logical conversation. We're able to look at what's the structure of the investment, what's the historical returns, um, what can they sort of expect, and it's all very logical. And they're able to process it as that. It's more like a, a teaching moment. But when they get their statement and the value is down, that is a very emotional response. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so it's talk to your advisor, bring it back to the logical. You know, it's it can be very tough for people to do because it is an emotional response and they may uh, be angry or sad or upset, or they could be thinking, oh, no, I'll just wait and see what happens next month or next year. Keep, keep, a, keep the line of communication open um, because you want the best and most recent information. You want your advisor to make sure it's still a suitable investment for you. That's their job too. Um, so if they're reaching out, please respond. If they're not reaching out, knock on their door. Not literally, they probably want a phone call. <laughs> but have that communication open. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think that's a lot when markets like this, people are, like you said, are probably making emotional decisions rather than rational ones. So sometimes you just need to check yourself talk to an advisor that's what you're there for and making sure you're making you know the right decision for you because like you said everyone's different depending on the stage you're in close to retirement not even close just starting out it, the decisions will be different right so interesting um so i do have a couple more questions but we're, we're going to do uh one of my favorite parts of these or it's called would you rather so i have 10 questions 10 uh fun questions we're going to get to know you a little bit more so would you rather read the book or watch the movie Oh, is there an option C? I love I love reading, but I also usually do it in audio book format. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll tell you that we'll say book then. Okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather be an extra in an Oscar-winning movie or be a lead in a box office bomb? Oh, extra. I don't want to be front and center. <laughs> okay. <laughs> would you rather sing or dance in front of your coworkers? Neither. <laughs> uh, I mean, dance. Yeah, we'll say dance. Right. Uh, would you rather lounge by the pool or on a beach? Beach, 100%. Okay. Would you rather uh, someone see all the photos in your phone or read all your text messages? Photos, yeah. yeah I hope you like cats and dogs. <laughs> um, would you rather have a pause or rewind button in your life? Oh, I'd say a rewind. Okay. Uh, would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the smartest person in the room? Oh man, that's a tough one. Probably the smartest. Okay. Would you rather go out for fine dining or you, would you rather stay in an order? Probably I'd, I'd rather go out because I'm always staying in an ordering. Especially through the pandemic, eh? everyone. Um, for dessert, would you rather have cake or ice cream or something oh. else? Uh, probably pie to be honest you have a favorite pie pumpkin always me too actually love it and last one would you rather only be able to use a fork and no spoon or only be able to use a spoon and no fork for the rest of your life oh that's, i'm gonna say the i'm gonna say the fork fork okay yeah nice that's i always say the same i say fork too because i think anything i can have with a spoon i can probably drink it if i have to 
Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for playing along. So um, a couple more questions. Do you have any recommendations on how someone can improve their financial literacy? Is there like books or podcasts or websites or anything like uh, how can you go? There's, there's three things that I'll, I'll look at. So um, I'd say the first is if you want to put some time into an actual course. Um, so not necessarily something that you're, you're reading and is unstructured, but the McGill uh, University, sort of in partnership with RBC and uh, the Globe and Mail, they put together a personal finance course. Wow. Um, and it's free. You just go to mcgillpersonalfinance.com and it covers a variety of topics. Um, so it's sort of at your own pace. It's sort of an introduction, covers budgeting and savings, understanding debt and borrowing, investing, real estate. Um, so it's something that um, is out there. It's free. A lot of people don't know about it. And it's more structured than, than reading a book or watching a webcast or listening to a podcast. And those can have um, a great benefit and a lot of people respond well to them. But the course is just a bit more structured and, and has, you know, yeah. university professors teaching it for you. Um, if you are having trouble with debt that you feel is getting to the point of being unmanageable, um, the Credit Counseling Society of BC, uh, there's, there's a lot of folks out there that'll say they'll help you manage your debt, um, but a lot of them are for profit and they're looking to, to make a buck off of right. helping you, which isn't necessarily the best situation. The Credit Counseling Society is not for profit and they're, you know, give free consultations and they'll also work with you and on your behalf with your creditors to put you into a better situation. If, if you're sort of at a point where it's not manageable the way it is and, and you explored the avenues that are typically available to you. Um, so that's the yeah, Credit Counseling Society. I think their website is nomoredebt.org. Okay. Um, and they're just an option out there if you've sort of reached your, your end point on your debt load. Um, third one, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. They don't get a lot of attention. And if they do, it's usually because uh, they're investigating someone. But they're a good resource for financial literacy as well. So they're a government agency. Um, they've got their website and it goes into different um, tools that are available and just sort of learning and resources on, on financial literacy. That's great. Those are three really good resources for people that, and we'll put, we'll put those links in the article as well. So people can click through if they're, if they're practically trying to write down the, the websites you're saying. So that's great. I'll, we'll put that in there. So um, last one is uh question is if someone's listening or watching this and uh, they have other questions. They, uh, what's the best way to reach out to um, yourself or someone on your team or um, uh, someone at Valley First? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you can always call um, our member advice center, and they can connect you with uh, an advisor that's local to your area. Um, if you're if you're in my region, then I'm at the Kamloops branch, so <laughs> I can be uh, reached there. I'd say our member advice center is a good point of contact for reaching through. Um, we're, we're Valley First, but we're also First West Credit Union. So if there's anyone watching down on the coast or the island, we've got visions there um, in Vision and Island Savings. Um, and so the Member Advice Center covers sort of the whole, the whole area of, of BC that we service. That's awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking some time to chat today. Um, I know we're living in some real interesting times for sure. And, and I think it's even more important than ever to make sure, you know, you're educated 
uh, about your financial options and situation. I think that's important any time of the, the year. Um, and like you said, if anyone has any questions, I do recommend just reaching out, just have a conversation. There's some really good resources you mentioned as well for people want to learn a little bit more. We'll put that in the article. So, but thank you so much about sharing so much awesome information about, uh, you know, for your financial literacy. Yeah, anytime. You're welcome, Rob. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. And everyone else, have a great rest of your day. And thank you for tuning into Business Matters. Thank you, Amy. You're welcome. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive.